The NBA playoffs have started. Tom Browning joins us later in the show. And is Fernando Tatis the devil? This is the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. This is Chad the Mark with... Canadian Biggie. And Mr. Brown. And we are ready for a fun show. We got a great guest coming up. If you paid attention to the intro anyway, you'll find out a lot of stuff from Mr. Tom Browning later in the show. But guys, we had a pretty eventful weekend. Are you recovered from our fantasy football draft? Took a few hours, but I'm feeling good now. A few hours. <laughs> a few days. Took me a few days. Now I got freaking bunions. How do you get bunions from a football draft? I, I don't know. I worked, th- walked 30,000 steps, and now I've got these abnormalities on my foot. Maybe you have gout. Maybe. <laughs> when you're the commissioner, you have more responsibility on your shoulders on draft day. The belt did look heavy when you carried it out. No, it was. I'll probably never have to wear it, but that might be okay. Hey, you know what? The the bright, shiny, new hardcore football championship looked nice. It's sad that it's in another state right now. It'll be in Missouri for the time being, but – I feel like we have to get it back somehow. It's definitely a one-year adventure there in Missouri, in my opinion, because there's nothing Sevilla's going to do to repeat. Uh, we actually no have chance. we actually have Mister uh, Number One Overall Draft as a special guest appearance here today, so he, he's looking to take him down. Oh, that's, we had Jake with the best overall draft, and you know that is not his typical performance. So now the bar is set high. I'm just wondering if he if he can live up to the pressure. I think he'll handle it just nice, just fine. <laughs> so, so speaking of some NFL news, I, I was, I, there's not a lot going on. I know teams are just now in like their uh, you know summer camp and whatnot, but I did see where there's not they're not going to have cheerleaders or mascots at the games now. Is that is that devastating for you to hear? Uh, the cheerleaders, yes. The mascots, well, yes, because I'm a Mountaineers fan. I but like this that is musket NFL, going off. I don't care. I want the musket everywhere. <laughs> So, I mean, some teams don't even have cheerleaders, but I guess if you're Dallas, that's the only reason to watch, right? Debbie does Dallas. <laughs> We're on fire out of the gate, fellas. <laughs> so, Mr. Brown has no comment on this, right? What do you, you, want to say? you could care less. Did you see? I, I just now saw this for the first time. We had a, a lot of fun making fun of Booger McFarland last year and the Monday Night Crew. They have announced the Monday Night Football Crew. Have you seen who it is? I saw Lewis Riddick is now a part of the Monday Night Crew. It, it's Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, and Brian Greasy. Uh, not a big fan of Brian Greasy. I think he's in there because his daddy did it for a long time. Uh, he's been on college football for a while. He doesn't suck, but he's not good. But Lewis Riddick's the best addition they could have made. That guy's sharp. So who rides around on the crane now? I, I don't know if they're going to continue to do that monstrosity, but either way. Now, Biggie has no one to thank the Buffalo Bills fans throw phallic objects at now. Bills Mafia. They got nothing left now. <laughs> Don't put grind greasy through tables. I'd, I'd watch that. Yeah. But I, I'm not excited about it at all. Monday Night Football is, is just – it's it's garbage. It sucks. What, what happened to uh, Peyton Manning and his forehead going to the booth? That was going to be exciting. I, I think he wanted too much cheddar, man. He wanted like millions upon millions of dollars to call one game a week, and it, it just wasn't going to happen. After their ratings tank and they have to almost close their network at the end of this season, they'll give him a million dollars a game. And I can't say I blame him because the dude makes outstanding money on endorsements. So, like, why wouldn't he shoot for that knowing that they really need him? You know what I mean? I think some of it might be that Romo has set the bar so high for former quarterbacks that, you know, even though we know Peyton Manning is a better quarterback, there's no way he can live up to the bar set by Mr. Tony Romo. Yeah, I mean, there's only so many Jason Wittens who can say the reason that he's leaving the booth isn't because he sucks, but because he's going back to play football. He's so bad he's in the league again. As a Raiders fan, I wish he was still in the booth. (laughs) He might give some good veteran leadership to uh, your young tight end there. No, it's pissing me off because I know Gruden, and he's going to be taking away Waller's targets and giving them to Witten just because he's a veteran. (laughs) He does like the old guys. Two things left real quick on the NFL. So in our fantasy draft, I'm looking at the board here. And we have a, a participant we call Big Perm. He took Darius Geis, correct? Uh, was that Jake? Mm-hmm. I thought it was Big Perm. Mm-hmm. Jake drafted so well, he was able to draft Geis and still get rated number one wow. by Yahoo. So Jake is the one that drafted him. Still got the best overall draft. So now today, just hours ago, I saw where two 
Former LSU students came out and accused him of rape now, so he is done. He's not coming back, right? I don't think so. I just saw that happen. Must have just come out today or today's first time I saw it. Not in the league. Couldn't stay healthy. He's not back on a roster. He's done. Once he got on that bad radar, they start coming out of the woodwork. They're like, let me tell you how bad of a guy this guy really is. Yeah, so, I'm not sure if that's more of a referendum on who he is as a person or LSU as a whole. E- either of way. Of course, it comes out <laughs> after a national championship. Either way, it's not good. All right, last thing I got on the NFL, did you see the guy? It, well, let me ask you this. If you had $5,000 to put on anything as far as betting goes, what would you put $5,000 on? That the Patriots will not win a Super Bowl. <laughs> I don't know what the odds are on that, but that, that's a that's a sure bet. <laughs> what would you put your money on, Chad? Well, this one guy decided to put it on the Bengals for their opportunity to win, uh, get the number one seed in the playoffs for the AFC. Uh, so five thousand dollars would pay out one point two million. And all they have to do is go like thirteen and three, and then lose in a divisional round, and he gets that. Hey, you don't know how many games they're playing. There, there might be a technicality they could get on. What if they Ooh, have? It could be like baseball, where it goes off of winning percentages. You could have the Marlins who live in Magic City and exactly. all these different teams. They play fifteen less games. They have it by winning percentage. You could have a. Seven and two Bengals team is the one seed. Hey, you know what? There's people that lose $5,000 on dumber bets than that. Well, maybe not, but, but at least the payout is $1.2 That's not too shabby. When I get to the point in life where I can afford to lose $5,000 on a bet that dumb, I've made it. So I know we've had a little bit of trouble trying to digest our, our energy to watch the NBA, but we're in the playoffs officially now, and I just want to say that – the Bucks and the Lakers are 0-1 in the playoffs. What the hell is going on? And I know one game's not the definition of a series, but still, this is craziness. Game time, baby. Carmelo's finally going to get the better of LeBron. Carmelo. <laughs> well, he's on the Blazers, so we're considering him part of the reason that the Lakers are going to go down in the first round. This is Lillard's coming out party. I know it's in the bubble, but like now I've seen questions surface on social media like, who would you take, Dame or Steph Curry? He's, so he's elevated himself to that level because he had that one stat was just him and Wilt, Wilt Chamberlain. Well, and then there was the stat about like he's the most accurate guy from, what, 30 feet away, I guess? He's got more 30 to 40-foot three-point shots in the last two, it's seasons, like two seasons than, than Curry than, does his whole career. Yep. I don't know. The Blazers were in the Western Conference Finals last year. It's not like this should be his coming out party. You should know more who he is. But if he played New York instead of Portland, you'd he know. He started so bad, though. Yeah. I mean, when I say coming out party, I'm talking about like Nashville. you're elevating him to like LeBron status, Household Curry status, the Greek freak status. Going from being an all-star to right. a superstar. We know who he is, but now everyone knows who he is. Yep. I felt like that play last year where, you know, it's been memed a thousand times after he hits that three. Yeah, he looks back. He, he's just got that stoic look on his face. Like that's what kind of put him on the map initially. But you're right. Like I, I don't think one game does it. But if they find a way, thankfully, please do it. Beat the Lakers. Then, yeah, man, he's 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 the number one jersey seller, damn it. Absolutely. This is the worst possible matchup for the Lakers. They want to know part of the Blazers in the eighth seed, but they're here to play, and I, I think it's going to go the distance. If not, the Blazers wrap it up early. Paul Pierce said this today. I don't know if you've seen it. He <laughs> says that if, if LeBron doesn't win this year, it's going to affect his legacy. He's the number one seed. Quit talking about the GOAT, because if the Blazers take out LeBron this year, quit talking about the GOAT. Now, Paul Pierce usually says some really moronic things, but I, I have to agree with that one. Yeah, he kind of has a little bit of a, a hater edge when it comes to LeBron, but some he of does. the stuff he says really hits the nail on the head, and this is one of them. And I'll follow it up with one thing. Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls, is the number one seed in the playoffs, never lost a first-round game. Hey, speaking of Michael Jordan, what is that? what is that on the table there? That's the iconic last shot. Uh, you have the backgrounds all black and white. MJ's there in collar, so that you can it, it emphasizes the little kid in the background holding up the six fingers. <laughs> it's it's a pretty sweet por- portrait we got for the new, man cave. New addition to the yeah, man cave. Yeah, it's sweet. Awesome. I will say this: Giannis, the Bucks, they'll rebound. They'll be fine. Well, they'll still quick, come through. How do you say that guy's name for Orlando? Vujicic. 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 Yep. So all this talk about Giannis, that he could stop Shaq. 
<laughs> he can't even stop <laughs> Buyajic or whatever his name is. He dropped 35, had 49 rebounds and 38 assists and 42 blocks or so. I don't know. Like, you can't even stop this guy from the Magic. We talk about Dame Lillard being a household name. Who the hell's this guy? Giannis, I saw a meme and it hit the nail on the head. It just had four pitchers of uh, – halfback dive from the goal line set and it said Giannis <laughs> on the top and that's his thing hmm, I'm gonna run everybody over and dunk it because I can dunk from the three-point line instead of using what he has done to expand his game and become league MVP that'll get corrected Dude, before game two ass. not only that he has surrounding weapons you got Middleton you got the other cast I mean like it's such a such yeah they're three-point machine they're not a bad team you got the Lopez boys you know what yeah. I mean it is what it is let let the other guys if, if they quadruple you down and just swarm you kick it out and and orlando they don't have their dunk machine playing right isn't he hurt yeah what's wrong with him i think he's got a sandy badge <laughs> <laughs> we talking about uh mr uh rucker park himself right uh what's his name uh aaron uh aaron gordon aaron gordon yeah he's still upset that he didn't win the Slam dunk contest. He feels like the judges robbed him. Those are championships that matter. I mean, he's probably mad that that short stubby fellow took him out in Rucker Park with a bank shot. <laughs> <laughs> that is the definition of a Sandy Vag. Uh, well, they don't need him, apparently, because they got the, the new Shaq down there in Orlando following the same career trajectory, going to Orlando, making playoff noise. You know what, Giannis? You ain't got it, buddy. Actually, it's just one game. They're probably going to dominate the next four, and it's going to be over. But I'm just saying that you can't let him show you up like that. I think the Bucs will still make the Eastern Conference. However, the team to watch out for is the Toronto Raptors. They lost Kawhi. They're the best well-rounded team in the East. They're up 2-0 already. They've already won today. you got some ballers and some bulldogs on that team. Why are they so good? The best coach team in the league. Is that? I mean, can we really say that in the NBA where somebody being – better coached matters well that's something for me because i've been all over mr boston Celtics since he came from butler the best young coach in the league but two years in a row first year as his head coach last year they didn't miss a beat before the season went out this year uh what's his name the forward really stepped up for him siakam siakam Pascal siakam yeah and kyle lowry has turned out to not be as much of a van fleet van fleet's a bad man i love it I like how Van Fleet didn't become a player until after he had a kid, and then he blew up in the Eastern Conference Finals, and he's continued. He's got bills to pay. He saw the Latrell Sprewell behind the music. He knows what's up. Here's how good they are. They're up 2-0, and Gasol, Mark Gasol, got zero points today. <laughs> it's not a big man's game anymore. Yeah. He's resting. Ibaka got eight points off the bench. So, I mean, there you go. <laughs> so, I'm with you on Toronto because – I've discounted them after the Kawhi thing, but you know what? With Kawhi, they want a title, right? And without Kawhi, like they're still a damn good team. And, and they got the chip on their shoulder, and, right? right. And, and they feel like they got something to prove because, hey, just because Kawhi's gone doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Well, no, that's what Nick Nurse has been telling him since last year when he left. Hey, guys, we did this together as a team. He's a big part of it, but we can make up for that. Guys, got to step up. Siakam's one of them. I really like Toronto out of the East. I, I still think it'll be. Uh, Milwaukee, but okay. Toronto. You like Toronto, but you're not. You don't like them enough to actually make a hot take here. Yeah. No, no, no hot, hot take. take. So we're still going Milwaukee, L.A., or is Portland going to shock the world? We uh, picked the Lakers. We did. He picked, he picked Clippers. the Clippers. Yeah, we're both on L.A., just different sides of L.A. Then, so go LA Blazers. Didn't do any better, right? Rainbows, rainbows, rainbows. Yeah. CJ McCollum, Dame Lillard, they're the Rainbows. They call them the Rainbows. I thought, all, well, I guess without a Seattle franchise, you got to do something. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is apparently a lifelong Reds fan that we just found out. Being a Reds fan, I'm excited to have this guy on the show. He's thrown a perfect game. He's won a World Series. He's played in the majors for over 12 years. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Tom Browning to the show. Tom, how you doing, sir? I'm doing very good, gentlemen. Thank you. I don't, I don't have a uh, man cave, but I do have some, uh, some pictures from that I was given gifts and stuff. So there you so go. What all, what all's right on there. the wall? So, so take us through the pictures here. What all do you have on the wall behind you? Okay. Well, I got, I got, uh, I got picture of the month back in 1989, and that's what they gave me. Oh, that was for my All Star game. I made Man. the All Star team in 1991, and that's what they give you for making the All Star team. You look a little different now. Yourself. Yeah, yeah, I'm much prettier now. 
Uh, <laughs> and that that's that was for picture of the month right there. Uh, 1989. I think I had five complete games in a row. I had, I think I was five and zero or six and zero. I don't remember. And then that is just a. They, I got that for my 20th anniversary of my perfect game. Uh, they try to do some stuff for you, and, and that's Billy Hamilton and Suarez and Winker right there. If you can see him on the wall, there's free stickers. So my grandson put those up there. So <laughs> hey, that's all right. The Hamilton's not there anymore. Yeah. But Suarez was, so it's all good. No, I, I coached Billy when he first got drafted, when he was a shortstop and rookie ball. And, man, he was fast then. Unfortunately, he just couldn't steal first base. So <laughs> that, that has been the, his problem so far. You're, you're correct. So, yeah. you, so after you got done playing in the majors, you did a little bit of coaching, right? I did. Well, I took some time off. I actually went to the golf course for about – I guess six straight years. I got pretty competitive there. I wanted to compete in some amateur tournaments, and uh, it didn't take me long to realize that it was a young man's game. And uh, I went out there and had fun, but I certainly couldn't hang with those guys because they swung so hard and they hit the ball so straight. And I was just trying to stay in the game. So, but uh, <laughs> then I got the opportunity to co- I got the opportunity to coach an independent team. Uh, they called the Florence Freedom in uh, Florence, Kentucky, which is about right right down the road from Cincinnati. Uh, and I put the uniform on for the first time, and I realized that's, you know, it felt like home to me. Uh, so I coached them for a couple years, and then the Reds uh, got bought out by the uh, Castellini family, and the first thing they did is they brought a bunch of us former players back. And I was just a, like a guest coach for a couple years. And then they asked me if I'd like to get involved into the coach, you know, be, maybe go coach a team. And I went to Billings, Montana my first year and uh, had a blast, you know. One thing I, I – when I got to Billings, Montana, I, you know, my, my intentions were to get every pitcher on that team to the big leagues. And what ended up happening is they taught me how to be a coach. So uh, <laughs> I had to kind of put all my uh, – my thought process away and just try to figure out what was best for these kids. And I'll tell you what, I had a blast. I, I had a lot of kids. Uh, I got to spend a lot of time with some kids that got to the big leagues. Uh, I had Amir Garrett, uh, Tyler nice. Molly, uh, Michael Lorenzen, you know, uh, TJ Antonio just finally got up here, you know, and then some other regular players and stuff that I got to be around. Um, but I'll tell you what, it was a lot of fun. I, I almost enjoyed coaching as much as I enjoyed playing. Man, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. I, did you did you teach Amir Garrett on how to take on the entire Pittsburgh Pirates if that ever came up? <laughs> no. The one thing I told Amir Garrett, I said, listen, don't be an idiot. You Next time you go in with your right hand, not your left hand, you go in with your right hand. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, I mean, I so thought what? it was unbelievable that he decided to take on that team, but uh, – yeah, I said, next time, if you get into a situation like that, I don't care what kind of brawl you're in, whatever. I said, use your right hand. I said, you break your left hand, you're done for the year. So Got, got to protect the investment. I understand that. Yeah. All right, so oh, what yeah. are you up to now, Tom? What, what have you been doing here lately? Well, I got six grandkids that I'm raising. Uh, my youngest daughter is 19. She just moved out with her boyfriend. So I have six grandkids in my house. Uh, my, in fact, uh, my oldest grandchild, Macy, uh, is 18 years old today. We just had a birthday party, and then uh, I have a grandson uh, 15, a grandson 13, a grandson 10, a uh, granddaughter 6, and a grandson 2. Hey, the fact that you have all that down, that, that's pretty impressive. Sometimes I can't even remember the age yeah. of my own kids. <laughs> well, don't ask me their birthdays, but I can tell you their age. <laughs> I won't put you on the spot. have you been keeping up with baseball at all this year and this uh shortened we got so how do you feel uh, about the uh rule changes we got here going on in in 2020 with the uh i'll just go through them here one by one so what are your thoughts on this whole this 10th inning uh ghost runner on second that we got now oh well we're just we're diluting the game you know we're making it uh you know, the starters are only having to go five and six innings, but uh, the, the extra inning, I think they're doing that. And I'm hoping it's just for this year. I don't think it's going to carry on to next year, although I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan, but I think with the, uh, you know, with the situation we're in right now, a 60-game sprint, you don't want to wear your pitchers out, uh, you know, going to extra innings. 
uh, we I've, I've seen us go 18, 19, and you end up using uh, regular players to pitch. But uh, I think with, with the situation we're in right now, because of the uh, no fans, you know, they're trying to do everything they can to, to, to get these games in. So I think that's probably why. Uh, I know the minor leagues did it, and I think the statistics show that those games usually never went more than 11 innings. Hey, I, I'm with you 100%. I hope it's just this season only because I agree with you on the, on the extra inning thing. But Manfred likes to do some crazy shit, let's be honest, because I, we got the DH in the National League. We, we got the extra inning thing. I'm scared that they're, they're showing it this season and they're going to try to keep it. But I hope that's not the case because I love National League baseball. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly. I'm hoping that next year the pitchers are – the DH is removed from the National League. I just think it's a, I think it's a different game. There's more strategy involved. You know, you got to pay attention to where your pitcher's hitting Absolutely. in the lineup. Uh, all those things, you know, sacrifice bunts are very prevalent in the National League. And you know, when you get the American League standards, you're sitting back for the three-run homers and stuff like that. I mean, I, yeah. I, I just, you know, I would, I like the way it was. So speaking of pitchers hitting. Do you have any idea where your career batting average was and could you sacrifice? Because the guys today can't, obviously. I didn't look it up, so whatever you tell us, we're going to It's going to be the gospel, so just tell us what it oh, is. Oh, I hit 300. <laughs> I hit 300. All right. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I hit half of that. I think I hit about a buck 50, a buck 51 in my career. Uh, you know, I, the one thing I always took pride in was I wanted to make sure I was a good bunter. You know, because in the National League, as a starting pitcher – uh, if you're a good bunter and and you got and something happens in the fifth or sixth inning, and you got to move a guy over, if you're a terrible bunter, they're pinch hitting for you, right? You know, but if you're a good bunter, they'll give you a chance to help yourself win a ball game, you know. Because in my day, we like going complete games. We love going nine innings. I mean, it didn't happen, but ten percent of the time. But man, there was nothing better for a starting pitcher than to be the first guy to shake hands with that catcher after a win. <laughs> Absolutely. So, hey, real quick, let me ask you one more thing about the rule changes. So, I get that most of these were hoping, and we're, we're with you 100%. It's just for this year. What about the three-batter minimum? I feel like that one might be something that extends longer. Now, you're a starting pitcher back in the day, so this might have more of an impact on the relievers, but how do you feel about the three-batter minimum? Well, I think because they got tired of, uh, you know, a couple of those teams, they used a pitcher for every hitter. I mean, if there was a lefty coming up and a righty was pitching, they brought in a lefty in. You know, and then if they, they, they pinch hit for the lefty and they, uh, the next hitter, they brought in a, a, a right-hand hitter, then they would bring in a right-handed pitcher. You know, I mean, that's, that, that's the way it was. And, they, and it took – well, these games take forever now anyway. You know, I think they're trying to find a way to speed up the game. You know, want to speed up the game, keep that pitcher on the mound and keep that batter near the, the, the batter's box so we don't waste too much time. I mean – you know, there's guys that have these routines where they got to change their or fix their batting gloves and pull their pants up and adjust their <laughs> cup and then stand in the box. You know, all those things. I, I didn't like. You know, I I just like to get the ball and throw it. And I and I, you know, early guys before me, I actually pitched a game I think against Jerry Kuzman, his last year. He's with the Phillies, and I think he beat me like three to one. And I think the game took like an hour and forty five minutes. And that, that's insane you know, compared to now. <laughs> but now I will say this, that, you know, the, the in between innings, they got the radio, the two minutes now, uh, World Series, it's three minutes in between innings. So, I mean, that's why these games are taken. They don't ever say anything about them commercials they play every half inning for two, two and a half minutes. You know, you can't go without the umpire saying, okay, the commercial's over, you can start and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. you're not going to speed up this game with all these commercials and, and – Again, this is a, uh, I don't know, it's a different ballgame now. It's more commercialized. You know, there's more, obviously, more media, more internet, everything else. I mean, you could watch a game every night now, sometimes two. You know, back when I was growing up, we got Saturday game of the week, and then we were fortunate enough they brought out Monday night baseball, too. So we got two games a week. Uh, And this is in Wyoming where we didn't have a major league team. So I'm not sure how it worked in Cincinnati if they – uh, if they play, showed a lot of those games on the local TV or not. But, uh, you know, there's so much out there now. These kids are seeing so much on the Internet. They can watch replays. They can watch how guys flip their bats so they can do it the same way, all those things. I mean, I, <laughs> I think 
you know, it's changed. It's changed because it's not just baseball anymore. There's a lot of things that come in, into play, and, and obviously they're making a ton of money now. Hey, you know, I'm sure you didn't listen to our show last week, but we, for whatever reason, we had back-to-back major league pitchers on here, and the guy we had last week was Ray King, who played in the league for over 10 years, oh, yeah. and he said he said almost the exact same thing that you just said about the reason why the game is so long. It's not about the play on the field. It's the fact that we've just moved ahead with all this advertising and marketing and whatnot. So, like, we're just sitting here laughing because it's almost a verbatim answer, the exact same thing. So, I appreciate the take you have there, and it makes us realize that, yeah, that must be what the situation is now. Well, it's it's, it's like I said, it's just different now. It's just uh, everything is more polished. Everything is glamorized. You know, I mean, uniforms, they got to make sure them uniforms, we didn't really care. We just had a uniform, we put it on, we're out and played, you know. But now they want to go in the mirror and make sure that everything looks good. And, you know, and that's just a few guys. But I, I just think because, you know, the sport, the corporate sponsors, Fox, uh, anybody else. I mean, I think Fox dictates the, the playoffs now because they're in charge of, you know, well, they're paying the money. So uh, money rules the day. And, uh, you know, those guys and the sponsors that they're having, I mean, I remember when they talked about not – I remember trying to walk into a, a sports book room in, in Vegas and a guy stopped me and said, you're not allowed in here because you're a major league player. You're not allowed to gamble. I couldn't believe I heard that, but now, now they're one of our sponsors. So uh, <laughs> it's just my thing, how things have changed, you know? So I, I wanted to ask you this while we we're talking about stuff going on in the current game. So the big news of the week was the stuff that happened with Fernando Tatis and he hit that grand slam when they were already up seven runs and all that. So as a pitcher, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Is that showmanship to the nth degree? Do you, do you throw at a guy like that? Or is that just, do people need to get over it and it's just part of the game? What, like, what do you think about all this? Well, don't throw it down the middle next time. You know? All, I mean, all right. Thank you. Got behind Got behind a guy 3-0. and Was he supposed to take a pitch because you're behind 3-0? and I mean, <laughs> yeah, I've had right. plenty of guys swing. I, I don't know if I've ever given up a, a three-run homer. I mean, a, a grand slam with uh, – well, I've given up grand slams, but not on a 3-0 count. I don't think I have read, but I've given up plenty of hits. Because those hitters now, they know what's coming. And if it's in their zone, you know, these young kids, they, they're ready to show shine and show what they're made of. But I, I have no problem with uh, him hitting a home run. And, and the fact that they were beating the snot out of the Rangers, you know, probably didn't set well with the Rangers. But, you know, I, I don't care what they say. If it's If you got a bat and it's – and you're still at the plate, and you you want to swing, you swing. You know, I got I no it. problem with it. Heck, I mean, you know, two things: fun. the Padres are only winning seven to nothing, so that's not like an over. You can't you cannot overcome that amount in a big league game. It's seven to nothing. It's not like it's like fifteen to nothing, twenty to nothing. It's not like they quit. Playing. Right, and secondly, it wasn't too long ago when the Rangers beat the Orioles thirty to three. <laughs> thirty to three. How do you score thirty runs? And now you're mad because somebody dropped eleven on you? I mean, get over it. Don't well, prove it down the middle. Short memory. Oh, yeah. I mean, what the heck? For everybody out there that say pitchers are the reason why this happens, that they're soft, Tom Browning is telling us otherwise. He's saying just throw the ball the way you should. It'll be fine. Don't don't let him hit the home run. Right. Make I, a better yeah, pitch. Well, I think I'm it's, glad it's to hear that. It's a moot point. It's baseball. You're supposed to swing. Uh, it doesn't matter what the count is now. You know, late in the game, if it's like uh, if we got a five or six run lead, I think that was kind of the benchmark. Uh, we didn't steal. You didn't steal late in the game, but you know, if a guy hits a ball out of the ballpark because you hung a fastball, well, that's nothing you can do about that. So absolutely. But, uh, but there, you know, there's unwritten rules, but there's nothing that says you can't swing three and zero beating somebody seven nothing. There's right. nothing in there. And, I and, love it. You know, they got their feelings hurt because they had uh, they were getting their, the snot beat out of them. Exactly. Well, hey, Tom, I, I do want to transition here now. I want to ask you a couple questions here. So I got a baseball trivia question for you. So do you know how many pitchers have had 20 wins in their rookie season since 1954? Well, that Grim fellow was the last one besides me. It was that that yeah, was 54. So you're the only guy since 1954 in the modern era to have 20 wins as a rookie. How does that feel? Uh well let me let me preface all this. My <laughs> pitching coach was my pitching coach was Jim Cott. Okay, do you remember Jim Cott? Absolutely. He he loved four man rotation. He actually talked Pete Rose into going to a four man rotation to start the year in nineteen eighty five. 
1985, we broke camp with nine pitchers, four starters and five relievers. And we did that for about a month and a half. And then we went to a five-man for a little bit. And then uh, towards the, uh, after the all-star break, Pete came up to me and said, you're pitching the rest of the year on three days rest. So I had 39 starts, I think, that year, 38 or 39. I can't remember. Uh, but I had, you know, I was very fortunate. I think I won my last 11 in a row. But I had some, some good offense and, you know, was fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. So uh, well, I'll I- take it, Phil. He's being humble because I don't care what the situation was, dude. You're the only one since 1954. That's why I love baseball because that's the one sport where you have these stats. It would be people that like just you have anybody that can be rising up to the top and have this stat like this. So stats don't lie. I think it's awesome. So I mean, because today they would never do that. Never. Oh heck no. So tip of tip of the cap to Mr. Brown. Absolutely. Absolutely. We get we get another (laughs) tip of the cap because. You know, you also have the distinguished honor of throwing a perfect game, and not many men have walked through the dugout or the tunnel and been able to say they've done that. Take us through that process. When did you realize that was happening, or were you on, on keeping tabs on it throughout the game? I mean, a perfect game oh, is, no. is amazing. So what's your thought process during that? And at what point did everyone well, quit talking to you? <laughs> It, well, it was a two-and-a-half-hour rain delay. We didn't start the game till 10 o'clock. I didn't know that. You know, because it was September. The Dodgers were in town. It was their last trip. They were in first place. We were still in the pennant race. Uh, but they uh, usually, because the game was at 7.35. And at 9.30, it was still raining. So I anticipated that we were going to play a doubleheader the next day. So I went inside because I sat out in the tunnel or out in the dugout to watch it rain, I suppose. Uh, but anyway, at 9.30, I started getting undressed, thinking we were playing a doubleheader the next day. A ground crew guy comes around the corner and said, hey, we got a window. We're going at 10. And if it wasn't for AstroTurf, we'd have never played because it rained all day. So anyway, I was facing Tim Belcher and the Dodgers. And Timmy Belcher, who ended up becoming a very good friend of mine, he actually – I faced the Dodgers to start before that, and he actually hit a home run off me, hit a two-run homer off me on a – something off the shoe tops. But anyway, uh, he took a no-hitter with me into the sixth inning. We both had – I had a perfect game. He had a no-hitter going into the sixth inning. Uh, Barry Larkin hits a double. Sabo hits a ground ball. They kind of screwed up, and Larkin scores. Uh, and that is when it kind of set in a little bit. But, you know, again, <laughs> because I was I, – I grew up a Reds fan. I grew up a Dodger hater. I did not need All any right. extra motiv- – I didn't need any extra motivation to pitch against the Dodgers. Uh, but then it was kind of a, it just that again, that's when it, your, your teammates start, you know, you're like Moses part in the red sea, you know, as soon as you come <laughs> in the dugout, they all kind of, they just kind of fall to the side and get out of the way. Cause they don't want to rub up against you or whatever. So, uh, but after the seventh inning, I, I got to the top of the lineup, uh, the first, second, third hitter, I struck Kirk Gibson out and he ended up getting thrown out of the game. Uh, and they asked him after the game what he thought about the perfect game. And he said, well, I still haven't seen one. Uh, oh, wow. Which is true because he was in the He, he was wasn't the there to he see it. Out, he got thrown out of the game, so he didn't get to see the end of it. So <laughs> I, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, the seventh inning and then the eighth inning, was just, it was kind of quick. You know, the ninth inning, and there was probably, I think there were 16,000 tickets sold. I think it, I think there may have been a five thousand somewhere around there people that actually uh, stuck around, and in the ninth inning, I'm going to tell you, it sounded like a full house. It sounded like that place was packed. There was so much energy there. Uh, the yelling was magnified. Everything was magnified, and I, you know, I just tried to stay calm and keep my wits about me because you know I still had it was only one to nothing, so I didn't really want to make a mistake and. Uh, you know, ninth inning came up. I got the first two guys out. I think Saxy, I, I got Rick Dempsey. I think he flew out to right field. And then uh, Steve Sachs swung at the first pitch, hit a ground ball kind of up the middle that Barry picked and threw him out. And then a guy named Tracy Woodson came up and pinch hit for uh, Timmy Belcher. And I played against Tracy in the minor leagues. Uh, he liked that ball up, that fastball up. He just couldn't hit it. He liked swinging at it. He just never could yeah. get to it. So my objective there, when he came up to the plate, I said, I need two strikes, get two strikes as quick as I can on him, and that's where I'm going to get him out. And it took me four pitches. I got a 2-2 count, uh, and I ended up throwing a pitch up and in, and he swung and missed, and, you know, it was kind of cool after that. 
Well, well, a couple things. For one, whatever reason, it seems like no hitters in perfect games always are like one nothing or two nothing. So I know that just adds to the pressure. But out of the over 200,000 games that have been played in Major League Baseball, there's only been 23 perfect games. So you got one of them, man. That's awesome. And there's only been one perfect game on AstroTurf. I didn't know that. See, you can learn something listening to this show right there. Tom Browning's educating the masses. Just ask me how great I was. I'll tell you. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Well, hey, one of the reasons why we think you're great, or, or at least some of our followers think you're great, is there was this incident at Wrigley Field. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened there? Uh, another career highlight, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, actually, we had went into we went into Pittsburgh before that trip and uh, ran into a, a pitcher on the team. He now does TV for him, Bob Walk. Okay. When they were in Chicago, he got the ground crew guy to get him up into that scoreboard in center field. So when he when we went to Pittsburgh, we were talking. And he said, "Hey, man, when you get a chance, when you go to Chicago, hook up with Terry, or I think his name was Terry." He said, "The ground crew guy, he'll get you into the uh, the scoreboard." So that was my intention. I said, oh, cool. All right. So, I, so we go out there for batting practice, and I go down the right field line uh, where the ground crew guys were, and I start walking, and I see him, and he sees me, and he starts shaking his head. He said, you want to get in the scoreboard, don't you? And I said, I do. He said, well, I can't. I got in trouble for allowing the last guy in there, so there's nothing I can do. So we went out for batting uh. practice, and Timmy Belcher was on the team then, and him and I went out there for batting practice. We're standing around. And I said, you know, what about one of those buildings? Wouldn't it be kind of cool to sneak over in one of them buildings? So after batting practice, we went inside, and the clubhouse manager, Tom Hellman, I said, you don't happen to know anybody that owns uh, them buildings across the street, do you? He said, yeah, his name is George Lucas. Not the George Lucas, but a George Lucas. <laughs> I said, do you have his phone number? He said, yeah. I said, well, get him on the phone for me. So he got him on the phone. I said, George, I told him who I was. I'm with the Reds. I'd like to sneak over, maybe sit on one of your rooftops, maybe half an inning. He said, that'd be so cool. Why don't you meet me out in front of Murphy's Pub in the top of the third inning? And I said, okay. So I said, I'll have a black sweatsuit on to get me out of the building. So I snuck over to the roof. I got up there. I took my hat off. Uh, I saw my, I waved to my boys in a bullpen, took my hat off, waved to them. Uh, they waved back. I, I hung out there for a little bit longer. I was there for the half an inning. And then when I, but we took the lead four to three while I was there. So I got back. <laughs> Back in the dugout in the top of the fourth inning, and uh, we ended up winning a ball game four to three. And after the game, I completely forgot about the whole incident until Davey Johnson tapped me on the shoulder and said, "I need to see you in the principal's office." So, uh, <laughs> so I went in there, and he kind of tore into me a little bit, and I just uh, I let him know because that was the year Tony Perez got fired. And I'll tell you right now, when 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 Tony Perez got fired, you, you could have just canceled the season for us because we wanted to play for him more than Man. anybody, but. Uh, but that you know that was uh, again a career highlight, but it worked out great. Uh, the, we go into our next road trip was the, the Marlins had just come into the league, and Wayne Heisinga, the owner of the Marlins, sent his secretary down to our clubhouse. He wanted me to sit in his restaurant in right center field sometime during the game too. <laughs> you developed that but, reputation, huh? <laughs> well, that but that was a Jim Bowden era. I said, no, nah, this guy wants to release me or trade me or get rid of me, so I better not do it. So, <laughs> so I don't know if you can see it on my phone or not, but I actually have that picture of you sitting on the rooftop there. So you had your unis on and everything, like you had the oh, black, yeah. uh, you had the black sweatsuit on before you went over there, but you looked like you just came out of the game. <laughs> Yeah, well, I looked like I was mad because I got taken out. <laughs> so I'm just going to go across the street and sit on the rooftop. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, as starting pitchers, if I may, you know, we get four days off in between starts, so you find a lot of silly things to do. You know, we used to play a lot of golf and uh, to kind of uh, pass the time away. You know, going to Atlanta, play with the Small C Glavin and Mad Dog, or they come to us and do the same thing and uh, – you know, I got to know, you know, a lot of pitchers kind of try to play golf with one another, at least hang out a little bit. So hmm. I, I hate to bring this up. So I, I hope you don't hang up on me immediately as soon as I ask this. But as a Reds fan, I remember when this happened like yesterday. So, you know, you, you had had, you know, a pretty good start to your career. And then there was a fateful day, I believe, in 1994 where, you know, people recall the, the Joe Thosman incident for the Redskins, but you kind of had an injury incident too. What what the hell happened, man? That was terrible. I was like Dave Trevecki. Remember Dave Trevecki breaking his arm? Yeah. 
Okay, well, he had cancer on the bone, on a humerus, and he had to have it shaved, so it actually weakened it. And that's the reason he broke his. Now, mine, uh, I broke the, the same way, but I had eight or nine years where I had 200-plus innings every year, you know, and then I got hurt. I tore my knee up. I broke my finger. I missed half of two years back-to-back, -back, so I wasn't really – uh, stressing my arm like it was used to being stressed, so it actually right. got a little bit. This was the year you were supposed to be healthy, right? Correct. <laughs> Correct. Well, I mean, I was healthy. I had actually, I started the year off. I had back-to-back -back complete games, and then then all of a sudden, uh, my arm started hurting, and then I got into. I warmed up for that game in San Diego. I bet I didn't throw seventy miles an hour on any pitch. Oh, it wow. just my arm was killing me. You know, instead of being a a smart guy and say, listen, man, my arm's killing me. And I tried to be a tough guy and go out there and pitch. I took a no hitter into the fifth inning and I was throwing what I call doo-doo. And I don't <laughs> think I threw anything over 70 miles an hour, but I, I didn't give up a hit. So then I got in the sixth inning and I had a man on second, third with two outs and a guy named Archie Sanfranco who played Legion ball in Rome, New York, and was coached by one of my teammates from Lemoyne, a guy named Tony Abone. Uh, but anyway, I knew Arky. I mean, I, I, I knew of him because he was from Rome, but anyway, I got two strikes on him and I tried to reach back for a little bit extra and, and, uh, the, uh, the force didn't, the, the, the force, the torque of the muscle, the bone wasn't able to handle the torque. So it actually gave, I, and they said I had a stress fracture in there already, which is why I was hurting. But again, like I was an idiot trying to pitch through it. Uh, but I ended up breaking it. I thought my arm fell off. I remember oh, going man. down, and I, I remember Barry Larkin coming to the mound, I, and I because I wouldn't look at my left side because I felt like my arm actually fell off. And I said, Barry, is my them. arm still there? And he said, yeah. And I said, did that run score? And he goes, yeah, the guy from second almost scored two because you weren't there to back up. So <laughs> <that felt> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but that's, you know, they, that, that's, again, I, I that's – I got through it. I ended up pitching uh, that winter in Puerto Rico, not, although not very hard and not very well. Uh, but I needed to pitch again. In fact, uh, the first time I played catch, I actually went out to Arizona to see Terry Francona because he was coaching out there in the fall league, and he actually coached Michael Jordan that year. Okay. So I, my, bro my brother lived out there. So I went out there to see my brother, and I stopped over to see Terry. And we were sitting there talking. Michael Jordan came in. He introduced him, you know, shook his hand, whatever. And then Terry said, you want to go have a play catch? I said, oh, my God, I haven't played catch since I broke my arm. <laughs> uh, so we went out there, and, you know, my first toss was maybe 10 feet, and it was as gentle as you could do, you know. But as we got into it, I said, oh, it doesn't feel bad at all. And then I started playing regular catch because my arm could handle it. You know, I just didn't have the strength because uh, I had all those shoulder muscles, atrophy and stuff while I sat in a cast for – for however long you know so uh but it felt good to throw i ended up going to puerto rico i ended up signing with kansas city and bob boone was the manager okay and bob boone bob boone caught all my bullpens <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so, that's how soft I, that's how soft i threw <laughs> hey at least you came back though that that's what's amazing because yeah. i remember when that happened like you could, you could hear it like on TV. It was oh, yeah. that bad. So, I mean, it's like I said, there's a Joe Theismann moment for most NFL fans out there. But to me, as a Reds fan, this one's right up there with it. Yeah. Yeah. There were, there's four of us that have done it, uh, in the major leagues and all four of them are lefties. Oh, Smiley, Smiley did it. Uh, Tony Saunders did it. And then Drevecki and myself. So, uh, but you know what? I, 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 I mean, I wish I could have stuck around and played forever, but I got I got a World Series. You know, I got a perfect game. Uh, I got you know, met some absolutely awesome teammates. You know, I I don't regret anything. I wish it hadn't happened, but it did, and I'm okay with it. But I certainly uh, you know had some fun while I was there, and I you know had some success too. Hey, no doubt. Hey, before we let you go and we wrap up, I did want to ask you about that 1990 team. So I, I have the Wheaties box of the Cincinnati Reds 1990 World Series. So I, I believe you're on the cover of that Wheaties box. I, I no, can't I'm on swear the about it. I'm on the back. Okay, you're, you're at least on the back. So you, you made yeah, the you box did. anyway. So, yeah. so what was that year like? Because, like, I even remember as a kid going into the World Series thinking you guys were going to get hammered by the, the Bash Brothers and the A's and all that, and y'all swept them. 
Yeah, we got we got no love whatsoever. Sports Illustrated had a big A's on the cover, and then down in the right hand corner it had Reds. You know, you can barely <laughs> see it for crying out loud. So yeah, we were serious underdogs, but we had one. We had the Nasty Boys in the bullpen. If That's we right. had a lead after we had a lead after the sixth inning, that game was over. Those guys came in and just shut the door. It was needed, and we also had uh, Jose Rijo, um, who was probably the best pitcher in baseball at that time. He Absolutely. dominated. So uh, you know, on me, they scored me. I scored, I think, eight runs or ten, ten runs, whatever, for game three. So I mean, it's but that was a group of guys, and you know, we we were hoping that we would get together this year, but because of the uh, coronavirus, COVID, we didn't get yeah. a, we didn't get to have our uh, reunion, our thirty year reunion, whatever. So. Uh, but it's always fun being around those guys because we had so much fun and we would go out in packs. You know, we wouldn't go out, you know, a couple guys, a couple three. We'd go out in six, seven, eight guys and we'd take over a bar or just go to a bar and, and do whatever. We probably drank some beer, I'm sure. So, uh, well, if you guys but, do you know, that again, did. you need to invite us. We'll come with you. I'll, I'll protect <laughs> right. you, Tom. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. We can do that. But we just had, you know, everybody, we had such good guys and then. You know, Glenn Bright came over in a trade. We had that. We we they released Ken Griffey Sr. Yeah, because they want because Lou wanted to get somebody eligible for the playoffs, so we had to bring him up like in August, end of August, uh, to be be eligible. And and but Griff wasn't hurt, so they ended up releasing him, and he got to go play with his son, which was really cool. Sure, you know, and they both hit homers and that kind of thing. But that was a good group of guys. You know, Griff had a lot to do with that team early on. You know, and then he had obviously. Uh, he left in August, but uh, he kind of he kind of took care of us. He put us under his wing, a lot like Dave Parker did when we were when Dave Parker was with us. You know, okay. he just kind of took care of the young guys, and that's what Griff did. But you know, Lou Pinello was a manager, and he, you know, he used to spit fire. He used to get so angry. <laughs> but uh, I got to give him a lot of the credit because he kind of got us in line, and uh, we went out there and played. And if he didn't like what he was seeing, he didn't mind telling you. <laughs> I imagine that was probably the case. Uh, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was probably my favorite year. Uh, you know, the parade we had downtown, I felt like I was in New York, you know, I mean, it was just ticker tape everywhere. You know, we were celebrated and it was awesome. Well, that's, that's why you're in the Reds hall of fame, right? Uh, well, I probably didn't hurt. (laughs) (laughs) So last thing before we wrap up, there's one more thing I wanted to ask because, you know, myself, Mr. Brown, you know, we have a, a certain kind of stance we take on this subject but the fact that you kind of was around him pete rose i just want to ask you are you a supporter for him being in the hall of fame or do you think where where we're at right now is acceptable i hope while he's still on this earth that he gets a chance to get in the hall of fame the guy with more hits than anybody else is not in the hall of fame you know i mean there, there's some guys in there that were really bad people ty cobb wasn't a nice guy you know? <laughs> thank so, you I I, th- I think now with the you know where we are I I thought maybe you know with the uh, what was it called the PEDs or whatever it was sure I think when that came in there that that might open up the door for them a little bit but uh, you know I I just hope I mean yeah I, I was awesome playing for him used to and he was a professional I mean he when he was still playing he he if he go out there and make an out he'd come back and look at his bat and see where he made contact and that kind of thing I mean he was. Well, I mean, he did it for twenty something years. So, but he sure. was—he was an awesome coach. He was an awesome teammate. I—I, uh, I, I, you know, I—I I grew up adoring the Big Red Machine. So, fortunately for me, I've got to a lot of them have become friends. So, you know, which I think is really cool. But I mean, they made an impression on me as a kid, and uh, it was kind of neat that I was able to at least uh, play on the team that they all played on, and and it was my favorite team. So, uh, but yeah, I, I just. There's a certain mystique about being a red. I mean, there's certain, you know, just for whatever reason. I remember Johnny Crook. Uh, we played together in amateur ball right before he got, well, the year he got drafted. He left after two weeks, and we were playing in Virginia. Uh, and he ended up signing with the Padres. Uh, but he always wanted to play for the Reds as well. He kept trying to, every time he'd see Pete, hey, Pete, get me over there, get me over He's there. A West Virginia boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Crookie, man. He was, he was fun to be around. 
I, I agree with you on Pete Rose. Like people want to debate about what he did as a manager or didn't do. That's fine. But like you cannot debate what he did as a player. And he's one well, of the best hitters that ever lived. You put his ass in the Hall of Fame because he earned it as a player. No questions asked. Right. That's my opinion. If you don't want to let him like manage again or be around the team, that's fine. But like as far as like I'm concerned for the fans, you know, let us celebrate that. Like, what he did oh, on the yeah. field. Oh, yeah. Well, like, you know what? They, they finally they let him in the Reds Hall of Fame, which was awesome. Abs- and they should. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was great. You know, he was – I mean, again, he, he did so much. And, I mean, that guy – how about this month? I don't remember if it was in 78. I don't know if it was June or July. But he went five for five on the first day of the month. Went five for five on the last day of the month. <laughs> and got 50, and got fifty hits in between. Oh, that's wow. insane! Wow, yeah, uh, that's pretty good. Month. 60, that's the, I had sixty hits in my career, <laughs> <laughs> and he did yeah. it in a month. But he's not in the Hall of Fame. That's okay. No, he <laughs> I, should be. But hey, Tom, above everything else, I appreciate the fact you've been a lifelong Reds fan. We appreciate the stories, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you. We'd like to have you back on the show at some point if you ever want to talk baseball again. Well, you got all my information, so you can find me if you need me. For That's sure. right. We'll sell it on the internet in the meantime, but until then, you know, we, we know how to get a hold of are, you. Are you are, are, do you pull for the Mountaineers? Are we Absolutely. Okay. Huggy Bear, you like Huggy? Oh, uh, how can you not like Huggy Bear? Yeah. We got to wear mustard, Except that mustard suit he wears. Go get it. Wait, wait. Hey, don't knock the mustard <laughs> suit, but Mr. we're in Mr. Brown's man cave here. He's got to show you this before we go. Okay. Can, can, can you see this picture? It's the mustard suit. Ah, it's yeah. the mustard suit. Yeah. It's an autographed mustard suit picture of yeah. Bob Huggins. Uh, oh, yeah. Hey, Austin you know, that's, that's the Cincinnati to, to WVU connection right there, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just want to say thank you for having me. It's uh, been a pleasure uh, reliving this. Uh, and if we, if you need me again or we want to do this again, you can certainly holler at me. But I certainly enjoyed this and talking about things that, uh, you know, I, you know, some kid came up the other day and said, I got some of your cards. I said, well, then you have some really old cards. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't feel bad. I got them too. Uh, so, <laughs> hey, you know what? God, God willing, the Reds are going to make the playoffs and I'd bring you back on an RB just to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, I'd be up, all up for that. <laughs> hey, they, they lost the first half of the doubleheader, but they're winning right now. Good. Take a split. We'll take a split. <laughs> hey, we'll take what we can right now. Tom, we appreciate having you on the show, brother. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. You got it, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Man, we had way too much fun talking to Tom Browning this week. This has been the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the interview. We look forward to seeing you guys next week. We got a special guest from Sirius XM Radio. She is all about fantasy football. We'll have her here same time next week. Make sure you click subscribe. Follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. We'll see you next week. Have a good weekend.